0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. Following the show, you can continue this discussion on my Facebook page, Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook. In fact, please like my page and join my group. Well, tonight's show will discuss the Robbins family at war. Now, it is about a Native American family who lived through colonial wars of the 17th and 18th centuries and finally emerged victorious in the Civil War as part of a mixed-race community. Five members served in the U.S. Colored Troops. Three fought from South Virginia to Richmond and helped enforce Juneteenth, Two served in Florida and South Carolina, and after the war, they served in the North Carolina Legislature and Bennett and founded schools and churches. Marvin T. Jones, our special guest for tonight, is the Executive Director of the Chiwan Discovery Group, whose mission is to research, document, preserve and present the history of mixed-race land-owning people of the Hertford County area in northeast North Carolina. Now, you all may recall that Marvin, Marvin was a previous guest on this show on April 22, 2013, where he discussed the family and community of the Witten Triangle. So let me give a warm welcome to Marvin T. Jones to research at the National Archives and beyond. Marvin, welcome.
1: Hi, Bernice. Good evening, and thank you for having me back.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you could come back because you have some important information to share with us on just research strategies, but more importantly, the Story of the Robbins family at war, but before we go into your research, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about the Chihuahuan Discovery Group?
1: Well, the Chihuahuan Discovery Document. Well, you said document research preserve presents the history of the Winton Triangle, which is a fairly large landowning people of mixed race uh, folks in Northeastern North Carolina, and um, we also, in, in our research, we do, we scan, we photograph, we video record oral histories, um, um, and, and the documentation and research, we've been to the National Archives and looked up records of, 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 our, of our Civil War soldiers, of our, our USCT soldiers, um, we've produced a stage production called The Winton Triangle at our local community theater within the, within the triangle to let the community know what our history was. And about 600 people came for the two night run of the of the stage production. We had two choirs, uh, one of the Indian tribes performed the skits um, by students, and. Um, we have articles, we have um, radio interviews like this one on our website at chihuahondiscovery.org, an events page, a news page, and uh, we're starting to produce documentaries, mainly in Washington, but we hope this year to begin producing our first documentary in the Winton Triangle.
0: Well, you certainly are doing a lot to preserve your history and creating a legacy for those that will follow you. So I am just really proud of what you all are doing, and I think that you can serve as certainly a model for other communities because this is just amazing to have a a production of which you can go and really show just what has happened. It's, It's just wonderful. I'm sure your community has to be proud of what's going on.
1: Well, they do treat me pretty well.
0: <laughs> they always
1: did, and I think they treat me treat me even better. Well,
0: you're even special. better. And and, and, and one thing I like
1: to say one thing I like to say as a, as American communities, individuals, and families are becoming more and more multiracial, it's important to understand that that is not a new phenomenon, although people think it is. But this has been going on for centuries, and and. Studying the Winston Triangle helps put that in context in a historical context
0: Yes, it does and and I'm glad that you mentioned this this is nothing new. it has been going on, but the voice needs to come out, and people de- definitely need to hear that this is nothing new uh, but let's go on to the next level of this discussion, and that's let's explore your research, and what you have uncovered about the Robbins family at war.
1: Well, starting out, my mother is a Robbins, and she once told me that we were descended from an Indian chief named John Robbins, and that was all she told me. She passed 27 years ago. But then I started learning more. I was talking to my great aunt, uh, some of my great uncles. And um, what really made an impact was when North Carolina, when the North Carolina History Museum in 1979 mounted an exhibit called The Black Presence in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. one of our Robbins relatives, Parker D. Robbins, was given his own space in the exhibit and I hadn't known about Parker Robbins except that my grandfather was named after him by Park, by the first Parker's first cousin, my great-grandfather. And so um, we went to Raleigh to the exhibit. We saw his portrait. We saw his shotgun. We saw um, uh, copies of his patents and, and, and a small piece about him. Um, we let the museum staff know that we were related to Parker and And she said, hold it right there. And she ran off and got the curator, Rodney Barfield, who I'm still in touch with 35 years later. And he proceeded to tell us a lot of things about Parker. And a few months later, I was on assignment for USDA. I'm a photographer. And Mm -hmm. I I went to Parker's town. Uh, He moved away from us. And I got to see the houses he built, his grave, and I learned a lot more about him. So in the past 10 years, I started looking more into the Robbins family, and I found out that we had this history that goes back to 1584. Now, now you're going to
0: have to tell us how you traced that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, not tracing it by name by name, generation by generation, but what a lot of people don't know is that the English made four expeditions to North Carolina in the 1580s, and this is tw- starting 21, 23 years before Jamestown. Okay. They first heard. They first heard in 1584 about the Choanoke people. In 1586, they met the Choanoke people in Hertford County. And the Robinses are a Choanoke family. And I grew up in I grew up in Hertford County, where the English landed in 1586, and they traveled the whole length of the Chihuahuan River, where Chihuahuan Discovery gets its name. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and they explored it. And therefore, and you know it was a big event to have these strange people and strange boats coming. So you know everybody went out to the river. There were 19 villages. They they Mm -hmm. counted, the English counted 19 villages. So you know everybody came out to say, who are these people and what is this? And mm-hmm. so there had to be some Robin's descendants among them. Well, further, when colonization started, diseases came in, the Choanotes declined as a people. They went from 19 villages to one village across the Chowan and rather and a little bit of a swampy area in Gates County. And in, in, in 1734 the first Robbins appeared, and it's John Robbins, the same one my mother ta- tells me about about 250 years later.
0: Mm oh, I
1: uh-huh. Tells me about John Robbins who lives, you know, about 250 years later. I, fi- I found that he appeared, That's that's when he first appeared. There's another mention of him as a leader in, in the 1750s. Well, the Robins, mm-hmm. from that point, are fairly well-documented as far as, as their descent the is concerned, it turns out. Um, unlike some Indian family, many Indian families in the area, the Robinses are well-documented. And so I can cite from John Robins, from me to my daughter, um but they did suffer colonial wars. the 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 the, uh, the the first the first Indian War in North Carolina was in 1684, and that was that was uh, the English versus the Ch- Cherokees. They lost that. Then they arrived. Then they arose again in 1676, and that was the Chihuahuan River War. A friend of mine recently wrote a paper about the Chihuahuan River War uh, in the North Carolina uh, Journal of History. Uh, I may not have the name right, but that's pretty much what the journal is and um the the children notes were reduced to a small number of people by seventeen fifty They were really said to be just two men and a few women and a few children. John Robbins mm-hmm. being one of them mm-hmm. so this is This is a group that used to be the largest group of Indians in eastern North Carolina. They're now down to two men and a few women and children. I'm sure there were others, but that's what the count was. Well, but within 30 or 40 years, they started growing again, and they are still in Gates County. Um, so they have, they have suffered terribly from disease, from colonization, from, from these two colonial wars, encroachments and whatever, but they're starting to grow. And John Robbins' grandson, James, served in the, served in the American Revolution. Um, he cited in, two, in the 1790 census and the, in the 1800 census as having a white woman living with him. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that in the 1700s and 1600s, most mixed-race children or a great deal of them, had white mothers. Mm-hmm. And laws were being passed where by the, by the 1800s, that was flipped around. Mixed-race children had white fathers. Uh, there, there was a big crackdown. And most of these mothers were indentured servants. I mean, Benjamin Banacle's grandmother was an indentured servant who bought two Africans, and she, and she married one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and there are
1: other there are other examples. So James Robbins apparently had a white wife, and I'm descended from from three men of color who had white wives, and two of them were Robbinses. And so, a lot of people think a lot of people folks in the Winton Triangle, so many of them are light because of rape and slave masters. But our families are old and have been free for a long time. Actually, we are light skinned probably because of white mothers, not white fathers. Uh Isn't that a flip? It
0: is. It certainly is a flip.
1: And and Irving, I mean, um, Ira Berlin, no, Ira Berlin has written about this. I hope I got Uh his name right. And Mm -hmm. has has written about this, and uh, it appears in Paul Hennig's work, a a preface in in Paul Hennig's work on free African Americans, which, and and the Robbins family appears in Paul Hennig's work as well, the the descent of the Robbinses is in there. And so Mm -hmm. they're growing by 1800. The family is expanding in numbers. And they're part of a mixed race community because other tribes are nearby other mixed race people are coming from the Chesapeake Bay, and they're headed into gates in Hertford County in North Carolina, where the laws weren't observed as much, and also land was cheaper uh North Carolina settled slower than Virginia because we had this awful, dangerous coast, and so um in the in, for example, the North, Northeast North Carolina, I think Africans were brought from Virginia, not from the Atlantic, because our coast, cause the North Carolina coast is fairly dangerous. Yes. So, 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 so we had a lot of mixed race people that were buying into Hereford County and the Gates County. Both counties are on the border, and um, um. And the Robinses are becoming part of a nucleus that is occurring in in, in Hertford County, and they're on the periphery in Gates. Um, and I started l- looking at family documents. I knew that I learned that my great one of my great uncles had all the family documents, and his daughter, who is now ninety, um, let me look at them. And I came across one curious document, and that was that Noah Robbins, who was a great great grandfather, um, had this document that that used to have a stamp on it, and it stated that he was he was certified a free man of color and a resident of Gates County, and that's where the Robbinses uh-huh. had been living for well over a hundred years, and so I wondered. Why did he need this document? Yeah. Um, and the date was 1831. Well, I've done enough history to know what happened in 1831. And that was the Nat Turner Rebellion. And it happened in Northampton County, which borders both Gates and Hertford. And so I looked at the date. And the Nat Turner Rebellion was on, started August 21st. This document was dated August twenty-fifth. It turns out it was it was a, a, a certificate that all free people of color needed, but they've but again in North Carolina a lot of laws were in northeast North Carolina a lot of laws were ignored, but he decided he better get it that day. It's like being a Muslim or a Sikh or anybody who's not seen as Anglo or or, or or quote American doing nine eleven, and so. And, and fortunately, this document has since been given to my cousin. Has since given me this document, and I'm the seventh member of the family to hold to possess this document.
0: Oh, this um, is wonderful.
1: Um, that really has had an impact on me, it, especially. And, and every time I live in Washington D.C., every time mm-hmm. I go to North Carolina, which is monthly, I drive past the. Virginia highway historical marker for the Nat Turner Rebellion and I usually give a salute because I know what it means in fact I knew what it meant before Doug Wilder put the marker up in 1991 mm-hmm. I was wondering I I was you know I, I knew that I knew I was driving right through Cross Keys where the rebellion started so I was quite aware of it uh when I came across this document but there were other documents in the Robbins collection. Um, uh, my great grandfather, who was Noah's son, served in the 34th uh, Infantry U.S. Colored Troops. He was he, he, en- he enlisted when he was 16 years old, along with his much older brother Noah Jr. And there was his promotion paper, and it was also a a military pass from the Provost Marshal in Suffolk, Virginia, uh, for Noah to To travel through well, in, in 1863, excuse me, with two children, I've mm-hmm. been told by Harry Jones, who is the curator of the African American Civil War Museum, that to get a pass from the provost marshal usually meant that you may have been spying for the Union Army, that you may oh. have been providing, you may have been providing some special service for the intelligence. And so by that time, the Robinses had moved. By the time the war had started, the Robinses had moved, at least my group. Um, the rest, it seems to have dispersed. And I'd like to find out why did the rest of the Robinses disperse and when did. I know it was after 1840. My group mm-hmm. went to Bertie County, which is south of Hertford, further down the Chihuahua River. Again, they're still living in their ancestral land, home, home along the Chihuahuan. Mm-hmm. And when the war breaks out, um, Union gunboats come up the Chihuahuan River, and they control it for the rest of the war. By by February of of um, eighteen sixty-two, the Union Army seizes the Chihuahuan. Um, this is a year before, before its first anniversary. And they never let go of the Chowan River, and the Robins were living right up, right on a port town. So um, when it was time, when when they were able to enlist in 1863, 1864, they did. Um, um, Andrew Jackson, my great grandfather, and his older brother Noah, they enlisted in April in 1863 in Jackson in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, how they got from Bertie County to Jacksonville is a marvel, That's but, I sus- mm-hmm. but I suspect that they went to Norfolk first since Noah had th- this pass. In fact, maybe Noah spent maybe maybe uh, Noah had taken Andrew Jackson and, and one of his brothers, one another younger brother, William or James. Uh, with him to Hampton Roads. I'm also assuming there were other Robinses in Hampton Roads as well. And they were shipped from they were shipped from Norfolk to or or Fort Monroe or wherever to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And and they see service in Florida, at a lusty, at um in Charleston, uh, I know they were at Morris Island. Um, they, they were in several battles. And Noah remains in Florida. He never returns to North Carolina. But looking at the pension records of both, I could tell that they were still in touch with each other when they were applying for pensions and testifying for each other. Now, the other three Robins, as again, you mentioned at the beginning there were five of them, um, were cousins of Noah and Jack. There was there was Parker who I mentioned earlier and his younger brother Augustus and another who was cousin to both both these two sets of cousins, another John Robbins. The three of them in january first, eighteen sixty four, enlist in the second cavalry, US Colored Troops. Within a week, Parker and Augustus are made sergeants. Um uh, this meant that they were literate. For them to be made sergeants quickly meant something. They did not go mm-hmm. through the process of being a corporal, they enlist and within a week they are sergeants. That tells you about some kind of power or influence they had. Um, Harry Jones also said he he read that a prominent Spy named Abraham Galloway, who needs to be talked about more. Fortunately, a biography came out about Galloway a few couple of years ago. Uh-huh. That Galloway had reported that Parker, that Parker and others were already scheming and 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 you know were conducting operations as the Union Army and the Navy were approaching Bertie County. That they were already preparing to for uprising and so those 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 five Robinses were doing something before they enlisted um for two of them to become sergeants for one of them to get a a, a pass from the provost marshal um and so you have three in the cavalry john Parker, and Parker's brother, Augustus. Um, these men are horse soldiers. That meant they had another skill as well. They Again, in January, they enlisted at Fort Monroe. In March, they're in battle outside of Suffolk, Virginia. They're fighting a Confederate general named Longstreet. Um, they lose that day. Um, they're defeated that day and and they have a they have a general named God, Ranson. There was a Confederate general named Ranson They were also battling. And Ranson killed every prisoner that his people took. Every prisoner of color from that battle. John John falls off his horse in the battle and is cut by in hand to hand combat, he is cut by a saber across his right eye or, or 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 the right side of his head. And somehow he was he was rescued. Um, now how did I know this? And this is where your archives research at the National your research at the National Archives is helpful. Now what i like to do I'd like to do a shout out for Alice Harris, who is the president of the Central Maryland chapter of the Afro-American Genealogical and Historical Society, who heard me, who was very interested in, in, in that I had so many family members in, in the U.S. Colored Troops, and she just said, i got to take you to the archives. I hadn't been there yet. And so we meet there, and Alice introduces me to the archives. We start pulling out Robin's documents, I hadn't paid John much attention before then, and, and in fact, I, I didn't even know he existed until I saw his name on the wall at the Afro at the Afro American Civil War Memorial in D.C. <laughs> right next to Park on Augustus. So yeah. when we look at his record, that's when I find out about John being in battle. So here's the family member that is least known about, and here he becomes the most intriguing. Um, because he suffers in hand-to-hand combat, and in his pension record there are several testimonies, but the most most jarring testimony comes from a man named Robert Dollard, and and he is at the time writing and test you know testifying for for um, John's application for a pension. Dollard is the Attorney General. South Dakota and he apparently had been a commanding officer of the Robinses and he writes about it was a miracle that John that John survived um, his wound being engaged in hand-to-hand combat Um, Dollard also talks about the great day on May 5th a few months later that they that they seize uh, Bermuda Point uh, which is across from City. Uh, B- 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 <clears throat> excuse me, Bermuda Hundred, which is up the James River, across from City Point, and that was the final staging area for the capture of Richmond and Petersburg. And that the second played a role in capturing Bermuda Hundred, which is on the other side of City Point. Um, but they fought all the way from Suffolk to Richmond. That uh, when you drive, when I drive down. When you go to, drive through Richmond, 295, which bypasses Richmond, and there's 95 that goes through. And since 295 had been constructed, I had been taking 295, but a few months ago, or last year, I went down 95 for the first time in a while, and I had researched the 2nd Cavalry's actions. And I see all these Park Service signs along I-95, that correspond uh-huh. with the battles that the Robinses were in, that the three Robinses were in. They were in quite a few in that year, from the from the time from the time they captured Bermuda Hundred to the end of the war. Um. After the war, the twenty the the second cavalry is shipped to Texas about. Nine days before June 10th, it's June. It's June 10th. June is of course June 19th, and there's no way they could have gotten to Texas in time for June 19th. But they were there to help enforce, enforce the, you know the, you know the new the laws uh, to to enforce um, the abolition of slavery in Texas. And it was a hardship. They were there almost a year. And when uh, the three Robinses finished their service, they mustered out. um, Augustus and, and Parker returned to Bertie County. So did Andrew Jackson. Noah, again, stayed in Florida. John apparently went back to Portsmouth. And Parker became politically active. He was probably politically active anyway in an underground fashion before the war started, mm-hmm. and he is elected to the state legislature after his stint there. He's a postmaster of Harrellsville, which is not far from where he is in Bertie County. He owns a farm there while he's postmaster. He um, is granted two patents for agricultural equipment. He was a mechanic and a farmer. And a an owner of 102 acres before the war, mm-hmm. so he already had. So he already was a, was a considerable person before the war, and um, so he uses mechanic skills to to gain these patents in the 1870s. Um, well, before that, you get
0: too far in, I need to ask you a question, and it was just yes. a question of clarification. And it's concerning General Ransom. Is he General Matt Whitaker Ransom or General Robert Ransom?
1: Matt Ransom.
0: Matt Ransom. Okay. Matt Ransom. Okay. And then we're going to take a quick break and come back so that you can continue to tell us about Parker and all the other things that he has done and other family members. So just a quick break, and we'll come back, okay? Thank you. Welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m., where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can also find the archive shows on my website, geniebroutes.com. Now you have been listening to Marvin T. Jones, Executive Director of the Chuan Ch- Ch- Discovery Group, and I have something for you, Marvin. We okay. have just found out that we have Shannon Christmas, who is in the chat room, and both of his relatives are the individuals you mentioned, the two Ransoms.
1: Wow! Incredible! <laughs>
0: Incredible! Yes, yes. He just he just said that he actually descends from Matt Whittaker Ransom and one of his Wow. Friends. Wow. Well, tell him
1: I see, tell him I see Matt. Well, I see Matt Ransom's marker from time to time when I drive uh, west of Hertford County, say to Durham or Raleigh.
0: Wow, you two need to meet. <laughs> okay, well,
1: tell, well, well, uh, Matt. Con- I mean, um, Chris, contact me. <laughs> ChihuahuaDiscovery dot org.
0: Okay, great. Well, you have really taken us on an interesting interesting journey of your family's history and i i know it has to be just a really remarkable experience to be able to tell the story and this is one of the things that you know i I really like to hear family members do tell their story and provide the documentation to support that and it sounds like you have found the documentation You almost got to the point where you were being very specific about the war and what happened in the war, so take us back for a minute. Now, is this all of the information that you read in the pension records, or did you find other records that help you kind of pull the story together?
1: The pension records have been very helpful because I wouldn't have known about John. I wouldn't have known about John's experience. I wouldn't have known how important it was to take a closer look at what the 2nd Cavalry had done. Um, um, that, that you know, people will go to Charleston or you go to places and you don't think to, you know, you go there as a tourist. Well, I've been to Charleston. Well, next time I go to Charleston, I want to go to the, inha- un- the uninhabited Morris Island because that's mm-hmm. where Noah Noah and Andrew Jackson had worked on fortifications during the war. That they claimed that they both suffered illnesses because of working on and stress because of working on the fortifications at Morris Island. Uh, It may not mean so. The next time I go to Charleston, it will it it will mean a lot more to me. The next time I drive um, between Richmond and the Richmond and Petersburg down I ninety five, it means a lot more. Um, regardless of the route I take, I always cross the Chickahominy River. Mm-hmm. And 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 I know th- I know they had their next great victory on the Chickahominy when they captured Bermuda Hundred. So these places mean a lot more. Now that I know what they, what, that they had been there and they accomplished some great things, things that certainly could not have been imagined when the family was declining in the 1600s and the 1700s.
0: You are so right. You're really, that's, that's true. So continue to tell us more about the, the family after the Civil War.
1: Well, i will wrap up on Parker. Parker ended okay. up uh in in another county in North Carolina. He followed the timber trade which was increasing in 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 southeastern North Carolina, not far from Wilmington. He's um with a sawmill and to transport his his uh timber products, uh he built a 70-foot steamboat called the St. Peter. So, um uh, and his home is his home collapsed, I guess, in the past decade, and I saw it just a couple of years ago, even went inside, which was very dangerous. But Parker now has a North Carolina historical marker that I nominated in his town of, of Magnolia, where his home was, and where there's still evidence of work that he had done in Magnolia, and his grave as well. Um, Augustus remained in Bertie County, he was a store owner, a carpenter he He married a few days after he enlisted to uh Leah Cooper in in Hampton roads and After the war, they had a son. The son goes to Shaw Medical School and becomes a doctor. Another thing that couldn't have been imagined and I, f- I was looking for i wanted to know more about Augustus, who also served in the same in the legislature. A decade after Parker uh, taking the same seat as Parker, and so I just simply googled uh, Augustus and found out he had he had he had uh, acquired land for a church in Windsor, North Carolina. And my aunt at the time was in a nursing home in Windsor. So on my next trip, I looked for the church. I see a marker in the front yard. And I said, I bet that's his. Sure enough, I was wrong. It was his son John. <laughs> but but behind the marker. But behind the mark, this uh, this uh, four-foot-tall marker, or three-and-a-half-foot-tall marker, was a double marker for Augustus and his wife. And it said, Honorable Augustus A. Robbins and Leah Robbins. At the time, I didn't know John had finished medical school. I had looked at Shaw University Records. Um, uh, um, my great uncle, who had the papers, had had drawn a family tree on a shopping bag in August of 1972. I was there when when it was being drawn up, and I'm a ph- photographer, so I borrowed it and I copied it on a large camera, high resolution, and I studied it, and I saw that I saw that young John Robbins, uh, Augustus's son, had mm-hmm. had the words M.D next to his name. Well, Noah Jr. had the words FL, which means Florida. Of course, we found out in pension records that's where he lived for the rest of his life. Turned out MD did mean doctor. I, was look, I happened to be in doing Winton Triangle work in general. I found through Charles records that he was listed as a student at Shaw University's Medical School, which unfortunately no longer exists. And, but I didn't know whether he finished medical school or not. And it wasn't until I went to the church and found the graves that I saw Doctor John Robbins on the marker, on 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 the stone on the on monument. The tone song. Uh-huh. On the stone On the monument, and 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 that was that was that was quite thrilling to learn that he made it, and it and um and that um. You know, going through that war, going through everything, Augustus got to have a son who became a physician. And that and he was one of the first physicians of color in North Carolina. Um, um, Andrew Jackson's youngest son, uh, Clayton, graduated from Howard Medical School in 1930. And, um, um, you know, to know that the family was was reaching for the very highest at the time is also gratifying. Um Noah married he was probably fifty or fifty before he before he married and he had two daughters. I haven't tracked that family down yet. John, however, is a sad story. He and uh, the pension records tell me that he was living in Portsmouth and he was living in poverty. He eventually lost sight in the right eye and that people were bailing him out. And um um uh, it was rather sad uh for John um but his cousins did very well it did very well um and in finding out more and more about this story about this family story it was it was the archives uh the Robinses also appear on the internet i mean i mean Parker's in a lot of books there are a lot of okay. books that has Parker's portrait. There and are who's writing
0: these books?
1: Various historians, North Carolina historians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some are, uh, one or two are local. Um, there one or two. There's one. There's one history book in Bertie County. One or two in Hertford County. Um, when when North Carolina historians need a face of color for the Civil War, they use Parker's portrait, and it's a watercolor, and he's in uniform. And he has the markings of his uniform of a cavalryman, the gloves, the, the yellow piping, all of that. But when, we were, but when Earl Imes, who is, who is a curator at the North Carolina History Museum, and I did a scouting visit to Magnolia in preparation for the dedication of Parker's historical marker, we came across the owner of Parker's home, and the house had collapsed by, the time, by that time. But he told us he had some of Parker's, some of the effects in the house. And Earl went back a few weeks later and picked up the effects. Included was a tin type of Parker Robbins. Oh, with his, wow. With his sig- signature on the back, scratched on the back. And uh-huh. Parker had this distinctive way of light, writing the letter P. So there's uh-huh. no doubt that it's him. So we discovered a second a photograph of Parker Robbins. Um, Parker, let's see, Jack Robbins, Andrew Jackson Robbins, followed Parker. There are a few letters of Parker that that, that exist, and he refers to uh, my great grandfather Andrew Jackson, who who named his first son after Parker. That's my grandfather, um, mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson. When, when Parker moved away, he sold his farm to Andrew, and Andrew, um, it, by this time, Andrew is, is now living in Hertford County, where I grew up, um, mm-hmm. and, and and it's not very far from where the Children Oaks had their capital in Hertford County, but eventually, Parker, uh, Jack, Andrew Jackson buys another farm. He buries his first wife, uh, young Parker's mother, and... And he has two, three, eventually three wives, three sets of kids. I was lucky to grow up around most of them. And I'm now part oh, owner of... Oh, how fortunate. Of, and, I, and I'm now part owner of the farm that Andrew Jackson bought in 1886. And I wake up on it about 30 or more days a year.
0: That is wonderful.
1: And, and I work on it. And it's a legacy of the Civil War.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, Marvin, this is just great. This is wonderful. Well now how long did it take you to just gather all of this information about the Robbins family?
1: I believe this started well over ten years ago. And it just mm-hmm. you know, it just it just kept increasing and it kept getting better um um you know looking at census records of of the entire family of Gates County looking at all the census records of Gates County uh copying them scanning them um um scanning scanning um my cousin Caroline's photographs uh, there's a photograph. we have two portraits of Andrew Jackson um other papers so on um You know, reading books, getting an idea of what the world uh, around them was like. In fact, the whole Winston Triangle Project is a way of me understanding the world that the Robinses live in. You just don't want to know the family. You want to know the community they lived in and Mm -hmm. played a role Mm -hmm. in so uh-huh. so so when I do the Winton Triangle, it's an extension of researching the Robinses. But now I look at other families and I look at how these leaders were all connected. Um, yes, yes, and and and, um, and they are connected. One uh, one of, one of uh, Andrew Jackson's neighbors, James Walden, served with uh, Parker, John, and Augustus. And um, a lot, great. and a lot, and a lot of these men were testifying for each other in their pensions. So when you just look at a pension record of an ancestor, it really helps to know who were their neighbors and if they served. Um, That's right. Uh, Andrew Jackson's brother-in-law, who served in the 14th Heavy Artillery, testified for Andrew Jackson. You might say, "Well, who is this man?" Well, this is his brother-in-law. I, 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 you know, I learned because mm-hmm. the reason why I knew that because I started looking at all the enlistment papers, records of Winton Triangle soldiers. There were about eighty of them,
0: mm-hmm. and a lot of
1: them, and a lot of them, and, and many of them knew each other, and many of them were in the same regiments. Um, and I may as well reveal this. I'm related to about 22 Winton Triangle soldiers and sailors.
0: Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. This is that I know of so far. Yeah, but you're pointing out the value of cluster research. You didn't just look in your house; you looked at the whole. I mean, examining all the enlistment papers. I mean, you couldn't help but connect the dots
1: and the people. And this is something. and this is something I did on uh, ancestry.com. Looked at all the, you know, just just collected all of them and and then created a spreadsheet. Mhm. It's a lot of work, but I did it while I was on the sofa.
0: Oh well, look, you have people in the chat room going, "Wow, wow!" <laughs> but <laughs> okay. but to be related to 22 soldiers, I mean, this is this is amazing. It's just amazing research.
1: Now. For a Winton Triangle person, that's not unusual. Okay. Someone who who is from who's from those old families. I mean, these Winton Triangle families were hundred years old and free before the war started. Uh Uh, Some of these soldiers some of these soldiers probably had grandparents and parents who saw them off. They only had to go two miles to the Chihuahuan and catch the catch the the newest gumboat to show up. I see. To enlist. And so, and so, it was a different situation than you know, what uh, is thought about. People are calling this out. In fact, a lot of people don't know the experience of free people. And the Winton Triangle is even unusual because it was all this land ownership.
0: hmm
1: and, and, and they and never had walk- a
0: problem or a fear of the land being taken away from them.
1: I'm having trouble finding examples of that. I mean, there, there, is, there is examples of if you borrow money, you could lose your farm. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't pay it back in time. My grandparents on the Jones side were in danger of that. And they, and they learned that you don't pay it back on time. You pay it early. If you pay it back on time, you still might lose the farm mm-hmm. that you borrowed money mm-hmm. for. So you have to pay it back early. And that's what they did to say to, to keep from losing their farm.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And so now, I mean, they didn't lose their farm, so obviously they. Uh... I'm part
1: owner of that one too.
0: <laughs> oh, you're wow, you're part owner of that too. What a what a wonderful celebration. Well, why don't you share with us? And I I, I always like people to give us some words of wisdom. But before I have you do that. Tell us about the process of getting markers, because you've mentioned markers more than one time.
1: I can talk about North Carolina. North Carolina has a marker program. The markers are free, and you nominate them. Um, You go, just, just search for North Carolina Highway Historical Markers. And, um, the guidelines are there, and you can even search to see if a subject you are interested in already has a marker. Well, mm-hmm. I, I searched and I saw that Parker Robbins didn't have one. And I said, Well, this man is, this man is in all kinds of history books. His portrait is owned by the History Museum of uh, the North Carolina History Museum. And um, um, surely he, he would be worthy of a marker. So I wrote up the nomination. I cited the books that are using him. I cited uh, you know, other, other texts about, about Parker Robbins. I, 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 would call it a, I would call it a slam dunk. I would call it a sure thing. And it was accepted. Mm-hmm. Also, the Choranoke people, who were the largest group of uh, Indians in eastern Carolina when the English first arrived, they had no marker. So mm-hmm. I nominated them, and 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 that was my first marker. Um, um, uh, the following work is putting together a dedication, and the children's marker uh, I did have to I did have to create a a program for that, a, a dedication program. The Parker Robbins marker was easy because it became incorporated with the Martin Luther King observance. That happens in Duplin County every year, I want to give a shout out to my friend delala gomes who who created that observance and she lives mm-hmm. in Warsaw North carolina and so and so, but I can only tell you about that experience in North Carolina so far, Chiwan Discovery has six markers up
0: okay and and when you apply for these markers, I mean it's not automatic what kind of information that they look for.
1: You need you need you need to know uh, the name, the where you want it placed, um for where, where you want it placed, uh you want to cite the reasons why, you want to write you want to cite sources. Mm-hmm. To back up what you're saying. In okay. in short in in short. In mm-hmm. short. Um I see we're running out of time. I also want to say Started out by scanning photographs. I'm a photographer, and and scanning is part of, was part of the business. And I started out by scanning the photographs in my parents' home, and then my aunts let me scan their photographs, and then other people mm-hmm. let me scan. Some people let mm-hmm. me borrow the whole boxes of photographs and scan them. Some I didn't. And, and, and kitchens, and, and of course, among the photographs are also documents. Wonderful. And I would, I would, I would encourage people get yourself a hundred and twenty dollar scanner and <laughs> get scanning.
0: <laughs> and get to scanning and, and share those and pictures, scanning. which is wonderful, wonderful, advice. and
1: documents.
0: Yes, and and then you, uh, after you scan the documents, then what happens to those documents?
1: Look at them carefully. A a poster. Uh, What what do you do with them? Well, well, I've used them in writing articles. i I've written an article for the for the um, Afro-American Genealogical and Historical Society newsletter about the Robbins family at war. Mm -hmm. And so some of the photographs were used. Um, I scanned with the help of my friend John Hampton. Uh, I scanned some of the, our soldiers pension records um it is faster to copy but some of these I want to scan because I may want to present them I may want to I, I may design things later on for the internet for video Chihuahua Discovery does video we we've done a few posters we you know so so I design so uh scanning takes longer than photocopying but um it It would have been shame it would have been a shame to have a photocopy of Robert Dollard's letter,
0: yes, about yes. what
1: happened to John
0: right and rather than scan. Say, yeah, and so you scan the pictures, but what can you say about oral history because I think very early in this discussion, you mentioned your mother uh said something about John Robbins
1: Robbins, right, well, yes. I didn't know enough to ask follow-up questions. I've had to learn how to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. I started asking my father a lot of questions and writing down questions for my father and getting him on video. And he passed last year, at ninety-seven. I really, at that point, I said, "Can I ask him anything else? What did Daddy? What did your grandparents look like? <laughs> you know, how far back can <laughs> you go?" Uh, write mm-hmm. down your questions. Write down questions. Um, ask, ask other members what kind of questions would they have. Um, 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 use your smartphone, anything, to record people. I'm doing a series of oral histories right now in the Winton Triangle, and, and they, they can be used uh, for various things because the possibilities in the Winton Triangle are endless. Mm-hmm. They really are. The work that can be well, done there is endless
0: is a book coming out
1: eventually there is there is a lot there are a lot of records in my house right now from the eighteen sixties I have to go through from one of our leaders, and that's a big stumbling block, scanning all of that, organizing it uh and organizing it after that is done there's not much. I don't know too many of the documents to collect uh, mm-hmm. at the time. And I may start writing chapters. Yes. I may start yes. writing chapters. There are areas. It's a 400-year history. I mean, it starts in 1584 of the Winston Triangle. And so it takes a while. Um, a lot of people didn't even know we existed. And yet we owned about twenty, thirty square miles of land. We fought in wars. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we we passed on land ownership, which is quite a skill, uh, to families generation after generation. Land ownership is something a lot of people can't connect with today. In fact, a lot of people can't even connect with house ownership anymore.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and so and so and so to be able to pass land down for centuries requires skill and requires. Person, uh, relationship skills and skills with your hands um, with a needle, with a hammer, with a saw, with a, with all, anything you can think of with, with an anvil it requires yeah, yeah. with crops everything with money <laughs> with yes, money, it does, with it, trade. Does,
0: it does require all of yeah. that so you have certainly given us a wonderful overview of the Robbins family, the Robbins family, your research that you've conducted on the Robbins family and the manner in which you describe the various stages that they've gone through with the wars and what have you. So I want to thank you so much for coming thank on you. tonight. And and please continue to, to share these wonderful, wonderful stories. Uh, we have so much to learn and it's people like you who can come on and talk about risk, mixed race communities, so that we can understand all sides of our, our beautiful America as as we look at it. So, thank you so much, Marvin.
1: And visit chiwandiscovery.org c h o w a n discovery.org. Thank you, Bernice.
0: Okay. So, everyone, I'd like you to join me next Thursday, April 10th, for a discussion of slavery in the North with legal genealogist Judy G. Russell. So I'd like to just thank Marvin once again for coming on this show, and please remember, everyone, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. I look forward to you joining me next Thursday night, and remember to listen to the African Roots podcast on Fridays, and Nurturing Our Roots on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, and good night, everyone. Good night, Marvin. Good
1: night, good night,